Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. The title of the message here today is Our Father Who Lives in Heaven. I want to talk to you today about the Father that we have in heaven. Let me start with John 16, 26 through 28. In that day you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. When we study the Gospel of John, we come away with a distinct message. All four of the Gospels definitely have that weight, and it's, it's wonderful to study. We come away with a distinct message from John and the Holy Spirit, and it's that God wants to restore our family connection to our Heavenly Father. John focuses on this over and over again. He wants us to see that Jesus was careful to point out that his coming was intended for us to not only inherit eternal life, which, of course, is a major theme for John. But beyond that, which I hope to really press in today, is that, and of course, this, this message is the work of Christ. It's the gospel. But beyond that, he wants to restore fellowship with Daddy, the Father's work. When we know who we are, we grow confident. When we know what the Father wants for us, we grow in faith. When we know why we're worthy to receive Jesus, we grow in daily, simple, never-ending, satisfying trust. If we can daily walk in these ideas, if we can walk in this confidence that God wants us to have, I believe it will absolutely transform our faith in our life. I want to show you how today. Number one, we need to grow in confidence. We need to grow in confidence in our relationship with the Father. See, this starts by us sorting out our daily purpose with God. Jesus comes to restore us. We, we come, we accept the gospel, we, and, and of course the intention, the, the, um, the draw is eternal life. And of course the Holy Spirit is working with us, but I find that Christians are often drawn to that first. That is the thing that to say, yes, I, I, I'm I'm acquainted with death, whether it be in my family, or I, I understand my own mortality. I'm, I'm overwhelmed with the idea that I'm not going to live forever here. And so Jesus offers this gift, this idea of eternal life. We're drawn to that. But then as we begin to walk, we see, or hopefully we see, that God has a daily purpose for us. And sometimes we're confused. I really believe that. But what he wants us to do when it comes to this daily purpose is to bring our cares to him because he, he cares for us. And this was what Jesus was trying to, to impress upon the, the disciples day after day after day, to say, look, I want you to know that my very presence here is not just me loving you, but it's the Father loving you. It is the Father showing you how much he cares by sending me. So what does the Father do? What does the Father do? He forgives. He loves. He restores. And sometimes he disciplines, as all good daddies do. And he'll do whatever we ask in Jesus' name. And we're going to get into that here in just a few moments. 
But what he wants to do is to establish this kind of relationship with us that we begin. Because we've got to understand that the whole concept of God, whether it be something that's innate in every one of us, which I really believe it is, it's hardwired for us to fear and to be intimidated by the concept of God, the creator, that we're overwhelmed by that. The first thing that comes over us is, is I'm not worthy to be there. I'm not, I, I can't stand before God. And I see this in Christians' lives all the time. And that's the reason why they continue to run back. Well, well, I don't know if I'm worthy enough. I don't don't know if I've lived a good enough life. We keep running back to that. And here is Jesus basically just saying, look, I've come to restore your relationship. And so for many of us, this, this is just a starting point. And we spend the rest of our lives getting to know the Father. And, and if that is something that's foreign to you, then can I give you some good news today? And that is the Father wants to know you. He wants to draw near. And he wants, and Jesus is saying, look, I've only come to establish that. I, all I've come to do is, is, is to help repair that so that you can then begin to grow in that relationship. This, I got to tell you, I was sitting at the tel- table sharing this with Andrea just the other day, and I was overwhelmed with the, the revelatory thought here. I was just like, you know, I've believed this, but it hit me in another level to realize that God wants me to know the daddy on a daily basis, and he wants me to know that I can confidently come before him. Confidently come before the Father now. You've got to let this get in. Because once we grow in that, that's where I really believe that our faith begins to take off. I really believe that. The Father determines the end of all things. Our times are in his hands. And see, if those things are true, I find that sometimes that as Christians, we spend so much time really just missing the target. With our prayer, we're shooting in the wrong place. With our relationship, we're shooting in the wrong place. With our time and energies, we're shooting in the wrong place. When we should be, we're we're, we're focusing on all the other aspects of religion in Christianity, whether it be going to church, whether it be using our gifts, whether it be anything that we do in our relationship with God, just maybe worshiping the Bible itself and the knowledge. When we're really supposed, all those things are really to draw us to an intimate relationship with daddy. That's what he came to restore. Now, I know this makes some people uncomfortable because here on this earth, as I've said many times, we didn't always have the best example for a father in the sense of what we, the the paternal protection, the paternal relationship, what what was, what we grew up with. We know, we know how important and how crucial that is to our physical and, and our, our, our development as human beings, the nurture that we receive from a, an earthly father. We know that's incredibly important. I mean, you walk into a psychiatrist's office, the first thing they're going to ask you is, what was the relationship with your dad like? It's just what's going to happen. Because they know how critical that is. And I tell you, in the light of all the things that are being talked about and all of the sexual identity stuff and all the trying to transform the family and, and, and do away with the family and replace the family with government and so on and so forth, it's all ridiculous because it's not in the heart of God. And as long as we keep chasing that, all we do is keep pulling further and further away what was our created purpose and what God wants to restore, what Jesus was sent to restore. And so, to me, 
when, you know, I first come, came to, to Christ, when I first began to understand these things, this was definitely something that, that was hard to get into the thick part of my, my, my earthly perspective, and that is that God is in charge of all things, that God is so much higher than, when, than I had thought, that God was so much bigger. Francis Schaeffer wrote the book, you know, the whole idea, the concept of our idea of God is too small, that our understanding of the Father is incomplete, that we're not, we're not, we're not pursuing the kind of relationship that the Father desires. And it begins with a personal confidence, believing that my times are in his hands is absolutely critical, absolutely critical, to know the moment that I wake up from this deep sleep, the death of human life. Even though I'm breathing in and out, I'm, I'm dead. But the moment I'm resurrected to real life, to, to it, the, the breath, the ruach of God comes into me and, I be, and the scales come off my eyes and I begin to see the universe as it really is and who I am in that place. Something begins to change and I begin to look up to God, not just as a pantheistic, you know, uh, a power or force, a good force, but a person who wants to intimately connect with me just as Adam and Eve were in the garden. That's what he wants. And that my daily times are in his hands. And when I begin to connect to that, stuff really begins to take off. Now, folks, I'm telling you. He determines this. The picture we see here is that Jesus wants us to see the real Father over and over again. You've heard me say it from the pulpit. The more I read, the more I see this, the more that my, my heavenly Father is directing me as a pastor to this. He's saying, David, <laughs> preach this. Help my people see this because it's what it's after because my people are being distracted. Uh, again, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but we're getting, we're getting distracted. He wants us to see the real Father who is loving who is pursuing. He's not wanting to see anyone perish or come under his wrath. We read John 3, 16 through 18. It's very clear that God sends his only begotten son. And he says, he didn't come to condemn the world, but to save it. This is the character of our father. This is what he's trying to do. This is why he sent Jesus. And of course, the, prod the story of the prodigal son is so very powerfully revealing of this fatherly profile. You need to read it again. I don't have time to go over the whole story, but you know the story. And, and if you take that apart, piece by piece, there are portions of what Jesus is trying to share. He's basically saying, this is what my heavenly father is like. Two sons, one who is obedient, one who is rebellious. The rebellious one rises up, demands his inheritance. Father gives it to him. Interesting. The father didn't say, hey, take him out the back and beat that, that rebellion out of him. Get back to work, you idiot. No, no, no. He says, son, I love you so much. I'm going to let you go. And so he does go off to college. He does go off to get a job. He does go off to travel overseas. He does go off to get into a relationship with someone who his father doesn't approve of. He does go off to do all of those things. Father says, son, I love you. I know this is going to hurt you, but I'm going to let you go. And the whole time knowing that it's going to bring leanness to his soul, maybe even death. We know the story. He goes off. He spends it all in wild living, on prostitutes, on gambling, on just blowing it. 
Probably people taking advantage of him. Next thing you know, he's got no money. All of his inheritance gone. He gets a job working in, on a pig farm, which for a Jew would have been. And Jesus pointed that out. He said, look, he got the bottom end job. He, got, he not only did he get a bottom end job, he got a job that violated his conscience. He got a job that he knew that every single day working with the pig slop and around those unclean animals, that his conscience, his faith was being violated every moment. Not only did he, was he overwhelmed with the concept that he had blown all his inheritance and what has been given, he was reminded daily of that decision. That hurts. Finally, because he had come to the bottom, he says, well, at least I could go back to my heavenly father. At least I can go and work like this for him. And so he comes crawling back, and what we see is the father is waiting. He's standing outside. Probably a certain time, every day, the father goes out and said, I wonder if my, my son's going to come back. Word had probably gotten from afar, your son's not doing very well. He's waiting, waiting, waiting. Finally, he does come back. He does repent. The father so, throws a party. And Jesus, he, he didn't have to tell this story, but I find it very incredibly powerful. We're getting a character of the father. I'm ready to restore you. I'm ready to, to be in relationship with you. I want you to understand because certainly sin is its own educator, is it not? Oh boy, does sin teach us a lesson. We're young. We come pouring out into the world. We think we're going to bypass every single rule. and every, every, We're going we're gonna to be the only one who all of what the pastor David said would happen is not going to happen. I'm going to be the one who comes back and said, nah, 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 didn't work on me. Not true. Not true. You know, I was a youth pastor for eight years, and it's amazing. All these young people I poured in and poured in and poured to, and only a few, only a few have come back over the years. And it's amazing that those who did, most of their stories were kind of heartbreaking. Kind of heartbreaking. Pastor David, I thank you for speaking the truth because I finally got back. Well, what happened? I didn't do a daggone thing you told me. Well, he loves you. There are a few. There are a few who got through there. You may say, well, man, you must have been a real lousy youth pastor if they all fell away. No. No, that wasn't it. Sometimes you do feel like you're a lone person in the middle of a, a raging storm and everybody's moving in the other direction with the wind trying to say, Put, don't, no, don't go that way. No. Sometimes it's overwhelming. Folks, the goal is to have confidence that the Father is for me. And we get there, we can go to the next step, which is to have faith in the Father. Faith. And this is where we elevate to another level. Look at John 16, 23 through 20 and 24. He says, in that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Now, you notice that you say, what, we're not going to pray anymore? No, he says, you're not going to ask me, Jesus, for anything. Catch this. Folks, I'm getting ready to tell you something that's going to probably blow you away. You have been praying wrong. You've been praying wrong. Or wrongly, I guess I should say. All your English teachers out there. Yeah, you've been praying wrongly. Got it fixed. Let me go on. Very truly, I tell you, my father, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? 
Because this is where we need to tighten up our faith. This is where we need to tighten up our relationship. This is where we need to understand what God is really after, and it will transform our daily life. I promise you. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you haven't asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. That is a wonderful verse. Because what it's based, Jesus is basically saying, now he says, in that day, he's, he's, what he's saying is, look, in the future, after I'm resurrected, after I go unto heaven, you're not going to see me, but you're going to invoke the power of God. You're going to be restored to your relationship with the Father, and you're going to appeal. Now, see, we've, we've been through over this the last several months to understand really the theological background for this. The reason why we can do this is because of what Jesus did on the cross so that we can now come to the Father boldly before his throne of grace and ask for help in our time of need. Amen? And so Jesus is, is telling them what Paul unlocks later in the book of Romans. And so here it is. This is the theological foundation for this. So Jesus said, look, the day is coming that when you pray, you're not going to be talking to me. You're going to be talking to your father who has been wanting that, that what this whole thing has been about, that I'm going to restore that. So now you can start talking to your daddy again. Can you see that? It's our big brother who comes, who, who is God, of course. But he says, look, my job is to come here and to be obedient to the Father, to die, to shed my blood once for all men so that I can restore this fatherly relationship that he wants to have with every one of us. So we have confidence in that, but now it's time to grow. Now we're supposed to what? Act on it. So the disciples are saying, man, how do we pray? How do we do this? How do we... Because their concept of the Father, and many of ours, is that he's a heavy-handed He's, he's, he's like that father behind the oak door that you have to knock lightly on. You don't want to really get him angry. You don't want to come at the wrong time. You don't want to upset him. That's the concept we have of the father. And certainly the Old Testament believers, these disciples would have had the same concept. Well, wait a minute. If we got him angry, he would torch us. If we, if we, did, if we approached him even in the wrong manner into the temple, that we would die on the spot. You're talking about we're supposed to be respond, restored to him? Absolutely. He pulls back the veil and says, this is what my daddy's really like. This is what he really wants. The fact of the matter, he had to be that way because of our sin. He was that way because of who steeped and born in it, just covered with it. The Joshua in the book of Zechariah, you know, covered with dung, coming before his throne, before his throne with an accuser at the side saying, look at this, smell this. And Jesus said, I came to die to clean you up, to restore you so that you can stand before your father boldly, give him a hug, and be restored. So now he's saying, it's time for you to act on this. Jesus makes it a point to let his disciples know that the father, again, loves us. And Jesus' whole ministry was an example of this over and over again. The title of father should never be lost. I don't like this, this trend of trying to remove the concept of father. I don't like it because it's not biblical. There is something powerful that happens when we connect to the father. 
the one who gives life, the one who is, has always been the eternal father. There is something that is repairing. There is something that is restoring. There is something incredibly. When I asked Jesus Christ into my life and I began to see and I could walk boldly, initially it was just, it was, it was um, intimidation. Initially it was like, I, I don't even know how to respond to you. I've never known you, but I want to reach for you. And he begins to speak to me and talk to me and comfort me. And he begins to do something that is so powerful, my friends, and that is to father me. What is fathering? Son, sit down. I want to talk to you. We've got things we need to talk about. You need courage in your life. You need boldness in your life. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm telling you, my dad had many different flaws. My dad was not a perfect man. He had a lot of brokenness, but one of the things that he was so very good at, something that I'll always be grateful for, was his loving way of trying to build courage in me. When I became a young man, 15, 16 years old, I remember initially despising the fact that he was a weak man. He was smaller than me, and then it's like, you don't know what's going on. But as I began to see his persistent love, and, his, and he would, I didn't want to go to football practice. I didn't want to go to basketball practice. I wanted, to, I wanted to shirk, and my dad would pull me aside and say, son, you don't want to do that, do you? Do you want to, do you want to cast all of what you've, you've gained to the side? And he would sit me down and look me in the eye. I'll never forget those, those opportunities in the car where he would, he would f- 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 fill my heart up with courage. He was so good at it. And at times, he was very manipulative. Because he'd say, well, son, I mean, you're not going to have all those cheerleaders on the side calling out your name. Hmm. Good point, Dad. Be that as it may. The idea of the Father not giving up on you. I will never forget the first time I did this, the first time I ran the ball. I, I ran around. I'll never forget the play. It was an end around eight. It, 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 I was playing tight end, and back when you're playing in middle school ball, tight ends don't do really anything. Nobody passes the ball. You're just kind of big guy who gets in the way of everything. So anyway, they decided, they said, well, let's let the big guy have the ball one time. So they gave it to me, and I ran around from the left side to the right side, and my dad was standing right on the stinking fence right there. I'll never forget it. I looked into his eyes as I turned that corner. And never, I mean, I have never forgotten that because his eyes were not diverted. His eyes were not like... His eye was like, go, David, run, run like heaven. I want to say the other word, but you know what this way it goes. <laughs> we're not in a locker room, we're in church. Right? So, anyway, run, David, run. And I remember turning up that field, and my heart was filled with the confidence. And I remember afterwards, and my dad was just that kind of a man. He was a mess, but man, I'll tell you what, he poured confidence into me, and I'm telling you, that's what your heavenly father wants to do to you every single day. And you may say, well, I didn't have a father like that. Big deal. Get over it. Your daddy, the one who died, sent his son to die for you, the one who created you, he wants to speak to you that way. He needs to speak to you that way. I don't care what your earthly father was like, but he needs to come and sit next to you, whisper into your ear and tell you how much much he loves you and how much you're going to make it. And and let him appeal to the different parts and the, 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 the places of your heart that are bound up, that are broken. He wants to get in there. He wants to get, he wants to call out your excuses. He wants to point out your mess, but in a loving way, because that's what daddies do. 
That's what daddies do. They sit down and say, so, uh, you've been shirking, huh? Yes, sir. Look, let's move on. Let's get up. Let's drive on. I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. I have something that, I have, that, that, that is so wonderful for your life, but you keep bypassing it. You want something else. You keep trading one good thing for something you, and miss the excellent. That's what your father wants to do. So that father builds courage. A father speaks faith into our life so that we feel built up and prepared. Oh, man. I wish we could have gotten that more in our earthly life. Some of you may have had wonderful dads who did that. Not many of us did. But it doesn't mean that we have to just say, well, I give up, and we, and we never cross the threshold into really getting to know the very one who is a perfect daddy, who is a perfect father, who will pour those words into your life. See, I think so many times, my friends, that we look at Scripture and we see them as incantations, that we look at Scripture and just say, if I just memorize a lot, that it will transform me. That is only for the purpose of filling your heart and mind with the information that that will help you understand the God who has died for you, the the one who sent his son, the one who loves you so very much that you understand his character, that you will understand who he is. Before you get to the coffee, before you get to the luncheon, before you get to that quiet time, so you know who you're going to be sitting down with. And there's comfort, there's peace, there's expectation. There's the wonderment of relationship. The approval is overwhelmingly essential. This approval from our Father is overwhelmingly essential to a human being's existence. Without it, We will force others to prove of us, which is disastrous. Boy, do we see that every single day. The Father does love us and does want to bless us mightily. No mistakes. Psalm 139 says it. David says, I know this full way, that I've been full well, that I've been wonderfully made. That was the intention, that there's no mistakes in me, that I have a uniqueness, that there, and that uniqueness is going to come out. And I can't compare myself to, any, itself, to anyone else, whether it be in my physical uh, uh, you know, beauty or, or my talents or anything. Most of the time, those things which come up short are only in our own estimation. And it's a lot of times what I have learned is that we shut down and we don't continue to grow. I only at the age of 50 decided, you know, I want to paint and sit down and start creating things. And you know what? The reason I got to that point was because I basically said, I don't care what anybody thinks. If I made something, they say, well, (laughs) I don't know. I'd say, well, I like it. I enjoy it. How you'll never improve if you're just not doing, serving loving, moving where God has called you to be. Got to grow in that faith. Faith that the Father is going, that what he has said is true about me. And then thirdly, trust in the Father. Because we get beyond just the, the rote. So we get confidence so that I can just come, finally come. And then growing in the faith to begin to actually declare the very words that he has spoken. Connecting the words to the individual, my Father. And then getting past just that roteness to a walking trust. Look at 1 John 3.1. He says this, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, 
Isn't that a great word? Lavished. That we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. See, getting to the point where we trust God implicitly, we don't even have to think about it anymore. We don't have to think, does God like me? And yet I think so many of us spend the rest of our lives trying to figure out or trying to convince ourselves or going after sermon after sermon after sermon or movie after movie after movie or book after book after book. The Father likes me. He's for me. We've got to get to the point of just trusting it, knowing it's true. Jesus taught us how to pray to the Father, didn't he? I mean, this, this is the, to me, is the absolute proof of what I'm sharing with you today. So the, the disciples ask him, Father, Jesus, teach us how to pray. He goes, okay. Let me give you a little sample prayer here. How does it start? Go ahead. Our Father. Then start with Jesus. Then start with the Holy Spirit. Our Father. He says, look, let me teach you how to pray. Talk to Dad. Talk to Dad. He's the one that does all this, by the way. Everything that you see going on through me. Father's heart. Healing the sick. Casting out the demons father's heart he says start with him go to him our father who lives in heaven your name is awesome give me today my daily bread bring to him every day the specificity of what your needs are my friends this is the kind of christianity that jesus died for us to have and he said look you haven't asked for anything uh, you know in my name yet he says you everything uh, my really you guys have been experiencing grace you've been seeing the miracles you've been experiencing uh, even the creation of food while i'm here he says but this is all just to set you up to get back to my father and he says from now on you're going to ask him Ask him, does that, does that change your viewpoint a little bit? Does that kind of shift? I know it did for me. I've always believed it, but for me, this was a fresh revelation. And I'm actually quite excited about it because I know it's going to change my prayer, and I know that I'm going to see more prayers answered as a result of it. Matter of fact, I've, <laughs> well, I won't get into details, but I mean, I, I've started on this right away. <laughs> as I began to read, I was like, okay, yeah, let's get this focused. Father! Father, this is what I got going on in my life. Father, I got these five kids. Dear God, help me. Father, I can't be the perfect father. I need you to be the perfect father. And he goes, good. That's what I've been wanting to do all along. Yes, sir. I also want to say that there are no intermediaries. I want to hit this one hard. It's not necessary, according to Jesus' prayer, he said, go directly to the Father. Moses yearned for it. He said, Father, I wish that, that all of these, these people that are following would, would, would be able to see you like I see you. He said, patience, son. It's coming. The day will come when everyone will be able to see me face to face through the Son. It's not necessary to have a go-between. No person, angel, or other, you know, because you've heard me say that before, Paul, Paul attacked this in the book of Galatians and Colossians, the whole idea that we need angels to talk to an angel or a saint. Pausing for effect here. No priest. 
You don't need an intermediary. You don't need somebody else to pray on your behalf. When we have prayer alerts, I love the idea that we have a prayer at valleychurch.com. Awesome, or .us. You go ahead and send those things, and we will join you in prayer. We're going to be talking to the daddy, but I'm telling you right now, I want to appeal to you, you better be talking to daddy in your own stead. We need to be joining you in prayer, not just praying for you. Because no one can appeal to, you, to God for your need better than who? You, me. Because my daddy loves me. Because my, and Jesus said that. He said, look, ask him. He's, you haven't received anything in my, in, in, from him yet. Start asking him. These thoughts tear at the heart of Jesus' message when we think of having someone else in between. When Jesus is going, I mean, it's not there in the Bible, my friends. None of what I've just described as far as intermediaries. It's not there in the Bible. Jesus said you can come boldly before his throne of grace. We can come on our own behalf. And the only thing that ever historically has kept people from doing that is because of one word, and that's ignorance. Pure and simple. That's the only thing that has ever kept people away. And in and, and many reasons was the enemy wanted to keep that from them. Can you imagine when, when farmers began to read the Bible for the first time? Can you imagine when the printing press began to put out Bibles by the thousands? And people were able to sit down and read Ephesians chapter 2, uh, uh, chapter two 8 and 9. And, and began to read John three sixteen for the first time. Imagine the tears coming down their face. Reading the book of Romans on their own for the first time going, wait a minute. Salvation is by faith in Christ alone. I don't need that road rascal up there telling whether I'm saved or not. And what a revolution it created. The United States is here, part of the reason for that. And Lord, help us if we stay seeking that. The Father has given us to Jesus. What a great idea. So the father is saying, so Jesus says, look, hang out with the father. He, he wants to restore that. And then the father says, by the way, you know what? Jesus, he's your best friend. He wants to, he, so am I, am I saying that you can't pray to Jesus? Not at all. You can talk to Jesus. I do all the time. But I don't do this. I don't say, Jesus, please, would you go to the father? Would you, would you, would you beg him on my behalf, please? That's not biblical. If you've been praying that way, it is not biblical. You go to the Father in Jesus' name. And what does that mean theologically? I'll tell you exactly what it means. It means I am talking to you because of what Jesus did on the cross. So you can come to the Father, and it's not reminding him because he already knows what's happened. He already knows that I'm supposed to be there. He already knows what what has been taken care of in the Spirit. When we say in Jesus' name, that is the benefit for who? Me. Because of the tendency in each one of us for the guilt to rise up and be overwhelmed by the holiness of the Father, be overwhelmed by the goodness of the Father, overwhelmed by who he is and his magnanimity and and his his, his glory, we come and we immediately begin to kind of shrink down. But when we use the name of Jesus, when we appeal and we say, in Jesus' name, I immediately know I'm supposed to be here because what Jesus did for me, I'm confident before the Father because of the Son. And then there's the Holy Spirit, which is another whole sermon. But I want you to see this. 
when we know who we are, what has been, what is developed, this relationship, we're going to grow confident. We're going to walk differently. When we know what the Father wants for us, when we become acquainted with the fathering of God to restore us, to heal us, to love us, and even to answer sometimes or not answer some of the hard questions that we have. We got a bunch, don't we? Why? Why did you do this? Why did you let that happen? Why did this have to happen? Why has my life turned out? Why was I born the way I was? Why, 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 why? But when we bring it all to the Father, he looks at us and says, look, I've got it all in hand. You will see. Part of it is what you brought upon yourself. Part of it, and, and God wants to take that and turn that, that, that struggle into a wonderful testimony. But if we yield it to the Father, all things lead to good for our good. We know that. The Bible tells us that. We grow in faith when we know what the Father wants. When we know why we're worthy. Now, what I'm saying here is why we're worthy to come before him, in other words, the work of Jesus, then we grow in a daily, simple, never-ending, satisfying trust. See, trust is something that you don't even actually have to think about. Did you know that? When you get to the point of trust, I don't have to sit there and, and look at my wife and say, I trust you every day. Wake up. How you doing, honey? I trust you. I don't have to tell her that anymore. You just what? You just live it. You just walk in it. You just live in this reality. I trust my dad. I trust my heavenly father. He's got it all covered. I don't care what happens. Can you see how that has a very proactive effect on your life? When you're walking in trust, it's almost like there is this shield that is right there that is taking on every single struggle, every single battle, every single disruption of your peace, which comes, doesn't it? It comes, but trust just swallows it up. Man, I, I'm, I'm kind of seeing Star Trek here, man. I'm just, swallows it up. Just swallows it up. C.S. Lewis says, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Isn't that a good one? That's so true about all of our life. But when it comes to seeing our God as the Heavenly Father, He wants us to know. I don't care what your past has been. I don't, I don't know what your struggle. I know we've, none of us have had a perfect situation, but we do serve a perfect God, and he's ready to start building that. So I want to encourage you. Start praying rightly. Pray to your Heavenly Father in Jesus' name, and watch what happens. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up this morning.